2: Welcome into the Rotowire wire NFL podcast. John McKechnie, Mario Puig, hanging out with you. And we are a few days removed from the draft. I think we've gotten a chance to catch up on sleep, recharge our respective batteries. Uh, no?
1: Still no? I've, I've had time to reflect uh, late at night and early in the morning with very red eyes and <laughs> a dragging pulse. But uh, yeah, I've done that at least since the draft. Well... Uh, we'll, we'll
2: say that that counts. So either way, um, the draft is in the books now, and we, we've had some time to digest one way or the other uh, the things that went down during the draft. So um, I want to start out just kind of talking redraft rookies, guys that we think are going to have the biggest impacts uh, here in year one, and obviously with with the news earlier this week regarding Isaiah Crowell, yeah. uh, tearing his Achilles in a workout. We were all, we were always kind of you know lukewarm on Josh Jacobs the prospect himself but at this point the runway is so clear for him to you know kind of have a top 30-ish type of fantasy value for this year I, I think uh top 30
1: overall yeah
2: okay uh yeah I mean I' will be think shocked if I mean if Royce Freeman's uh value last year like crept inside the top 30 top 40 by the time the draft season was over was it that
1: high? it was okay uh, so Josh um, jacobs can definitely be in the top 30 yeah if so i probably won't be picking him but it when i uh on monday or was it monday sunday i don't know a few days ago before the crowell news came out i posted my post draft top 36 for dynasty purposes which is slightly different than redraft but there's of course still a uh you know emphasis on on the immediate return so those are the guys who generally ranked at the top i had kyler murray at number one before the crowell injury and i know they signed doug martin but i think it would have needed to bend someone more like a jai for me to not move josh jacobs up to number one i had him at five both of them in the first tier i had five player top tier now i'm probably gonna have jacobs up at one but i i guess the way i see it is he'll have like a busy rookie year but not necessarily a very efficient or explosive one i can imagine it being like 3.7 4.1 yards per carry kind of thing but he could go upwards of uh i don't know like i guess 280 carries or something like that and it's kind of something to consider that he's as young as he is he only turned 21 in february i don't know if that'll give oakland any pause to the question of you know should we should we go over 20 carries in any particular game should, should. We, um should get them while they're young yeah it's just uh it's like one of those things where it's like i don't know uh because he is as young as he is i don't know if there's a risk of him breaking down as opposed to if he would had been like 22 and a half or something like that 23 he's but. already
2: relatively fresh coming in compared to even a lot of the other top rookie running backs i mean david montgomery probably had more carries this past season than
1: jacob's had in his three-year career at Alabama. Yeah, uh, I didn't even mean so much from the tread. I just mean like guys who are in that like 23, 24 year old range who are in college still, you can always tell because it's just like they're just way more physically like that last that extra year or two does help the physical development. And for that reason. For the long term, I can imagine Jacobs, you know, not adding weight, but maybe getting a little bit faster or something because he's only, he just turned 21. So this is a bit of, you know, kind of just mostly focusing
2: on college a lot of the times. Guys that come out of Alabama and are in their strength and conditioning program for three plus years, they're different than That's most of your run in the mill 24 year old, you know, guys that, that, uh, or, I'm saying that they're basically on par with being an NFL level strength and conditioning program right away when they're 18. That's so he's different than most 21 year olds.
1: That's true, uh, but uh, with with you know whatever considered, he hasn't been a workhorse player, sure. and I don't know if uh, a player his age categorically projects as well for that. He could be the exception, and and uh, there's the reasons you said are, are, are good ones to think that he you know plausibly is one i just don't know how much we can really take for granted like i i get the top 30 thing for me i think i'd need to believe he's a better player before i'd be willing to pay that because i feel like there is a non-zero chance that you know especially if it's something something stupid happens like he fumbles two times in his first four games i can imagine doug martin would go nuts i can imagine doug martin getting like you know 12 carries a game over the next two months after that happened or something so if jacobs is not more efficient than i'm expecting him to be then uh i i'd be too worried about the risk of that happening and so uh i i probably would be more likely to end up with him in an auction than a redraft because uh what people get kind of uh justifiably they get more interested in reaching for players when it's the prospect of you know a workhorse running back That they're reaching for, so whereas like on my board in a snake draft, he might be, I don't know, whatever, forty, just for the hypothetical sake. He could still go something like twenty eight just because the guy on the clock at that spot is thinking, oh, uh, you know, he's the last one. Like Dalvin Cook just went, and now I gotta take him now, or he's not gonna be there. So I can see him getting helium from that, and I'll just never be the helium person. So if he is a helium player, I'll probably miss. I'd be more likely to f- have an auction roster where I'm like, oh, I can justify this price if accounted for other things. There's there's that. But uh, with that said, he is for me the top dynasty uh, rookie asset in this draft until further notice. Like it, it would take probably a Jai signing or you know some some other kind of thing. Uh, getting in the way because there doesn't i don't think doug martin is a you know a real running back really no no he's just sort of insurance at this point one, one
2: other you know sort of wrinkle that, that i think we should discuss just briefly when, when it comes to jacobs and specifically the raiders we had them ranked as our 29th ranked offensive line last year they were 20 six in rushing yards per game generated uh this past season they did lose Kolechio Semile this this off season, so they added Trent Brown I'm a little worried about because he's got no I mean we're we're not O-line experts but no Skarnecchia that's there's a drop right. as far as the O-line
1: that matters goes. a lot I mean maybe Trenton figured something out under uh what is it yeah uh direction and maybe just kind of retained that lesson now or he could leave that you know pleasant little greenhouse that sarnikia has over there and just like immediately wilt when thrown into the harsh conditions of uh, the oakland uh, landfill that, that he'll instead have to play in from <laughs> now on uh the 49ers had that guy two years ago and they traded him away for like nothing he only had one good year i think it was he was only He's in new england it. for one year yeah so there's a lot that can go wrong with that uh, even if it does work they kind of overpaid i think they're sticking with Colton Miller at left Tackle, and there's plenty of things to worry about there. I mean, total freak athlete, but wasn't able to harness many of his talents last year or at UCLA, really. No. So he was a project even when he got drafted last year. Yeah, so I I actually would value Jacob substantially more, I think, in PPR scoring than standard because I'm basically skeptical that he'll get the touchdowns, but I am not skeptical of his 60 catch-up side. Like, even with Richard there... I think and i think richard's totally good and i don't i don't think they can remove richard from that offense to justify jacobs but uh they both might need to be busy as pass catchers because this defense will probably not be much better like it'll probably maybe a little better but probably won't be good no. and that offense is going to probably need to throw the ball a lot and specifically it's probably going to need to do quick drops because that's just what Derek Carr does anyway and if that offensive line doesn't get uh if that offensive line doesn't drastically outperform any reasonable projection you could give it then they're not going to have the luxury of doing like deep play action seven step drop kind of things and if you're not throwing to antonio brown uh tyrell williams is of course there but they don't even really have a third receiver they don't have a established tight end on a team that might need to throw the ball uh you know top 10 in the league in terms of volume so there could be targets for both richard and jacobs and jacobs was you know as much as i have these questions about him i don't question his pass catching like he was very good at that at alabama and it was almost like disproportionately good at that for how his rushing production was like he had a lot of catches for a guy who had as few carries as he did so i'm pretty optimistic about that like i think he can give 50 60 catches this year but I'm not going to expect more than like, like I don't know if I'd take the over on six and a half touchdowns, you know, just because things can go wrong with the Raiders and if they're scoring touchdowns, things are probably going right.
2: yeah, no, that's, uh, that's definitely fair. And it's fair to, you know, have some questions about uh, that team context specifically and and how, how much or how well that offense is going to be functioning, how often it's going to be getting into the red zone. You did bring up an interesting wrinkle as far as his pass catching ability. I feel like that was sort of a, Lost in the wash, sort of narrative during his pre-draft process a
1: little. It bit. was under that was what was so weird, or one of the weird things about it anyway. Like he had his super fans uh, before they'd the draft, and they'd never brought. It was like, are you guys? Do you guys? Are you thinking of Mark Ingram or something? Because I think you're talking about someone totally different than me. It's like my my first uh, thing noticing his box score is just like, oh, that's really good pass catching production and like better. Than the other alabama backs who uh, at least in harris's case i thought he was a fine pass catcher but jacobs was better than he was at it so it was like oh that's that's why he's unique he's a 220 pounder who can catch the ball but you'd read these pro jacobs fanatics and they're just like he's so good at just breaking tackles and stuff and they just love watching his tape and it's like that's point
2: the, to a video of talking about his cutting ability in the same video he falls down making a cut yeah One so, of my favorite moments of
1: of this draft season really was yeah. was people getting nuts about that yeah the the film people oh, yeah. the film people are so so weird but uh any case they they missed over his easiest selling point which is like look at how good of a pass catcher he is already and that's uh, that's arguably more important For a fantasy running back projection, than just the raw open field running ability or the raw tackle breaking ability, because if you can catch the ball really effectively, that'll correlate to a higher snap count, and the opportunity comes with snaps. So he'll stay on the field, uh, Jalen Richard aside, if he catches the ball as well as we have reason to think he might especially in an offense the, the other thing about that offense is it might need to be one of the most pass heavy in the league and yet its number three receiver might be Henter, hunter renfro right now and that doesn't seem right like if hunter renfro caught 60 passes this year wouldn't that seem eerie when that but, would, wouldn't that fit in line with the, a bit of just Derek carr's tendency as a you know seven YPA type of guy right but it's I think everybody's like aside from Tyrell I guess I think Antonio Brown they're gonna have running short routes because Derek Carr is not gonna throw it to him deep and you're not gonna have this however many million dollar a year receiver just not getting thrown to so they're gonna they're gonna force it if how, somehow
2: screwing it up with Tyrell more than Antonio yeah. Brown.
1: then yeah totally I mean it's just uh they might need to run a lot of three receiver sets they might need to throw the ball more than most teams and they just don't really have the infrastructure to carry that and if the traditional infrastructure anyway and so i'm not really going to bet on hunter renfro picking it all up i think richard and jacobs have to if it's unless it's just you know a non-starter scenario if the, if the ball is not moving then i guess no one's taking it but if if car is completing passes as much as he typically would for the number of passes we have reason to think he'll throw then it's tyrell and antonio brown aren't enough yeah. So. No. No. Yeah. So that that,
2: like you said, does lead it, and especially when they don't have a really good pass catching tight end or a good pass blocking line. No, not at all. So that, that does portend to yeah. some checkdowns. Uh, so we could see a ton of catches there for Jacobs. You mentioned film guys. Uh, a minute ago so of course we got to jump next to David Montgomery and oh, what yes. his outlook uh, looks like for this year because Jordan Howard leaves behind a ton of carries uh, obviously they, they brought in Mike Davis's offseason Tariq Cohen I think is still an ascending player Um really a uh, great year last year and reason to believe that he'll continue on that upward trajectory but Montgomery being brought in suggests that you know I think that he's going to have a fairly significant role, especially where his draft slot was. Um, but what is your sort of expectations
1: of him now that we know where he fell in the draft? I think it was one of his best possible landing spots. And it's the kind of case where, again, I'm probably not going to be the person who buys Montgomery just because he he usually has his super fans and I'll just never be willing to, to match their bid. But if I'm in a league where there are no super fans, I guess I could end up with him because Redraft too, not just Dynasty, uh, Mike Davis was pretty good last year, but he gets hurt. I mean, he did at South Carolina. He, he got nicked up. He got nicked up when he was on the, the 49ers and Seahawks and whatever other team he might have been on. So both Dynasty, where it's, I think, really easy to sell yourself on Montgomery, and then Redraft there's a chance that davis i guess is just worse than montgomery but i think most people i think his super fans anyway are overestimating that probability like i think they're underrating mike davis in they that are. case or maybe overrating montgomery i, think I don't like, know they're like willfully ignoring what he did on it
2: mike davis did on a per carry basis last year
1: yeah and mike davis was a really good player at south carolina so it's not as if there's any evidence that montgomery there, there is no evidence that montgomery is a better prospect than davis there just isn't there's there's the arbitrary valuation of a four-six-three guy with a twenty-eight and a half inch vertical who couldn't average more than like four and a half yards a carry in the Big Twelve, and then there's Davis. Who say what you will about him, he got over five yards a carry in the SEC. He got the ball well there. He's a better athlete than David Montgomery. So I know it's people are going to say like, oh, well he was a fifth round pick. Montgomery's a way better prospect. Not on an objective basis. In an objective basis, Davis is the more convincing player. However, the Bears are not particularly committed to him, and if Montgomery is breaking tackles the way he did in the college level, then that'll work. I guess I am kind of skeptical that he'll break tackles on that basis. I yeah, think a lot of the almost an impossible rate to hold up, ju- especially jumping from the Big 12 to the NFL. Yeah, and I know how, how entertaining it is to watch his Iowa State tape, and I know he has a ton of motor, and he legitimately did break a lot of tackles, but – if you have to break that many tackles to average 4.4 yards per carry in the Big 12, that scares me because it's it's kind of analogous I think to like if imagine if there was like a 5 foot 8 receiver who made his living in college by winning jump balls. You oh, look at okay. you look yeah. at that and it's like I don't know if I want to bet on Maybe that translating. Like- <laughs> and uh, it's not quite that dreary with Montgomery, but um for as much as he slips tacklers with his jukes as much as he gets under guys pads and kind of like carries them a few more yards i'm worried about it just looking like a bunch of dancing in the nfl that goes nowhere and uh he he needs definitely more of like a north south kind of emphasis if it's going to work otherwise guys are just going to keep catching him over and over from behind while he's he's juking a guy in front of him three more behind him he doesn't see them yeah that's
2: it that's a huge thing i think because obviously there's going to be a jump in a major jump in improvement, and i think this is something that his biggest defenders would would always go back to is is how bad
1: the offensive line was and how much penetration they were were giving up but i never really noticed it that much like have you seen sec tape like if it's not alabama everybody's offensive line can get swarmed pretty much but uh you know he is going to be playing
2: behind an improved Line, but at the same time, I think you brought up a really good point where he does seem to be really indecisive behind the line sometimes, and that that can end up with him getting caught, um, you know, behind the line. So I could see a situation where. You know, Alex Collins has that same problem or, or had that same problem. Now he's unemployed right now. That's a pretty good just,
1: comparison, he just, actually.
2: He just always danced behind the line, and the, like once once the Ravens went to like Gus Edwards, Gus Edwards just literally no fluff to his running style. He's just like, I have the ball, I'm going to run, and mm-hmm. and it worked a lot better that way. So Montgomery needs to kind of cut that out. Actually,
1: I think I posited the comparisons for David Montgomery to be Marcel Ship at the low end, and then like Marion Barber at the very highest but uh yeah that Alex Collins one is a good one because he's he like David Montgomery is a guy who was supposed to be um like a cut heavy guy who breaks tackles runs with a hot motor but he had similarly dreary athletic testing like he had like he was the one who like did the 28 inch running back vertical before Montgomery Mm -hmm. and like Fournette and those guys all got in on it but uh i I think that's yeah that's a good comparison but the reason i i ruled out marion barber is because he was just a way better people might not have remembered but marion barber was amazing at minnesota and he actually tested pretty well uh his pre-draft testing i think chris carson is like the next rung in the ladder of realm of possibility with montgomery and even he uh he he had a What was it like? Oh, he had like a 128 inch broad jump or something like that. He had he had explosive athletic metrics, even as much as he didn't really have speed or quickness. Like he had that sort of uh, jump out of his stance, you know, jump out of the pool kind of thing going on. Whereas Montgomery doesn't have that. He's just plodding in every athletic aspect, aside from his his the balance that he has that makes him a good juker and good at bouncing off people. So he'll keep, I think, bouncing off people it's just one of those things where whereas in college you probably get like a half second to turn up field after each time you break one in the nfl it's more like a you know third of a second to blink yeah something like that and uh if and the thing is there's there's like three guys this time it's not just one uh 230 pound linebacker you're chasing you it's like a 270 pound guy who's faster than the 230 pound linebacker and then another 230 pound linebacker who ran like a four five eight or something yeah it with better tackling ability so yeah he'll need the volume i think but it's the script could be so favorable to him the way it was with carson kind of last year in seattle where the good defense in chicago kind of just always gives them the option of running the the offense on whatever basis they want to they don't get pressed on offense because they're never in a pressure situation. And he could be getting the ball quite a bit in a setting where it's like maybe he's putting up some clouds of dust, but Chicago's going to keep going back to him because they're just trying to run out the clock. Like they have a eight-point lead and there's 12 minutes left and they don't care. Like they're just going to keep getting guy who breaks as many tackles as him. You know, if the offense is spe- spending a lot of time on the field, the other team's defense is getting tired he could start breaking those tackles and you know adding yardage after the broken tackle something like that and the other thing is he's a way better pass catcher than jordan howard so jordan howard kind of helped the defense clamp down on that offense when he was out there Yeah, because i mean it was just a dead giveaway that like they're gonna run it probably (laughs) yeah it's like oh well they're not going to use those four pages in the playbook Um, But so Montgomery could cause like a net benefit to the whole offense that way. Uh, Another way that it would help Montgomery is if Trubisky shows some improvement because the Chicago offense was below average last year, despite some of Trubisky's fantasy highs. It was pretty much system stuff and him running the ball a lot that got them there and playing the Buccaneers that one time that was awesome yeah <laughs> um but yeah so it's it's one of those things where if Trubisky gets better then they can actually run at a more of a tempo and get more plays logged because last year they were low tempo as Nagy tried to kind of hide Trubisky from defenses that's
2: a, yeah that's a really good point if Trubisky takes another step that that definitely opens things uh for that
1: offense he's uh-huh. not Kareem Hunt though and I saw the Nagy dovetail was like unbearable Holy so many people yeah. just like he knew it he thinks he's kareem hunt too and it's like he's no drawing two circles on a chalkboard and then drawing a line to connect them and like yeah it's it it's just uh it's just ridiculous i'm sorry kareem Hunt averaged eight yards in one of eight yards per carry in one of his toledo seasons yeah, That's, he, he just ripped the mac in half like that yeah. was, he was like a cheat code he killed missouri when he played against them his senior year too so yeah it's it's like if you want to call someone Kareem Hunt, I need to see some six and a half yards per carry. Someone kind that's of run
2: that's had a run over 39 yards. Montgomery did not have that last year.
1: Oh, dang. That's not that great. Nope. Yeah. So ew. yeah, if college, <laughs> if, crazy, if he, if he so. can't, if he can't hit a 40 yarder in college, then he might be working with a max of like 28 yards or something like that. And if you don't, if you don't, if you don't do something to offset those plays that just go unfairly wrong where you get tackled for three or four yards behind the line of scrimmage like that's an easy way to end up with like 3.5 yards of carry or something like that there you go there you go i think that that that's a good note to end on as far as david montgomery
2: goes any other rookie running backs that really have your interest as far as this year goes because i have like my doubts of i just think that philadelphia functions so much better yeah i don't care about miles sanders i like miles sanders i just think that was a Bad landing spot for him uh, whereas Chicago could be a good one for for Montgomery but I I like Sanders better as a prospect but I think you got to scroll pretty far down to to it I mean I think a rookie running back that's that interesting unless you really
1: hate Todd Gurley I have Daryl Henderson way ahead of Miles Sanders not because I hate Gurley but because I think there's a role for Henderson anyway I I think he's going to contribute receiver snaps I think he's going to be out there at the same time as Gurley I think i just think sean McVay can use a guy who is fast quick catches the ball well and averaged almost nine yards a carry the past two years like i just i just, yeah, I just can he's imagine a
2: high draft pick on him, you
1: know? yeah and it's but the thing is if Gurley does miss time then in that case henderson becomes what like the number five running back or something like six seven at worst i would range, guess yeah yeah so that upside to me is worth chasing whereas with miles sanders uh a i don't think he's as good as henderson and b i think i know they're different players but i, I just give me henderson 10 times out of 10 sure but uh yeah like you said the the structure for in philadelphia is not beneficial to miles sanders that was one of the worst places he could have gone because there's not much reason to think he'll be as good as jay Ajayi, and jay Ajayi would typically cap at about 30 snaps in a game like and he could go closer to 20 if it's a game that philadelphia is tying up early on like it would correlate loosely to how competitive the game was but not necessarily and the thing is philadelphia rotates in its backup runners on the first drives of games yes. so if the script does turn into one where they don't need to play their starters late in the game you could have Philadelphia running for like 200 yards and the starter could have gotten just like 35 of Josh those. Adams is
2: just laughing at you.
1: Yeah. Josh Adams, Corey Clement was doing that to Jay Ajayi all the time. He'd come in at the end of opening drives, like Jay Ajayi would be out there for the first, whatever, five snaps. And then Clement comes in to get goal line, uh, red zone <laughs> carries. And it's not because he's their goal line back. It's just like they have a schedule for rotation. And once the play count hits, whatever they're like, next guy's in. Mm-hmm. So, maybe sanders is an exception maybe they feed him 250 carries at some point in the next three years but i think it's more likely he kind of just does this thing where he fluctuates between uh for this year probably like six to ten carries per game and then after this year when i'm assuming jordan 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 howard and howard probably between like 12 and 16 and that's that's assuming he doesn't have any kind of fumble issues this year which I don't know what to think there. The I know a couple of those credited fumbles were just on like muffed kickoffs or something like that, but otherwise it's, you know, it could be a problem cuz guys who have fumbled a lot less than he did in college still had ball security issues in the NFL. People were going uh, nuts over Sony Michel and he had way less of a like fumble <laughs> rate problem. Yeah, that's true and he also had no issue last year as far as that went, but uh, Amir Abdullah's issues carried over to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sometimes it you know i don 't know how i don't know if anyone can predict ball security improvement or whatever, but uh there's even weird cases like Tiki Barber went like his first five NFL seasons just like fumbling everything and then mysteriously stopped doing it one year yeah it went, you went high and tight but what what I meant uh with the sony Michelle thing was like if if that level of like ball
2: security issue which is pretty low it is enough to like you know be be someone's con on 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 drafting Michelle list then Miles Sanders needs to be completely off your board.
1: Yeah, and I guess it's like in in Michelle's case, the first round selection showed that Belichick decided that the ball security was not an issue because otherwise he wouldn't have taken him that high. I don't know how much commitment that second round pick is for Sanders, and I I don't know. I had I have a lot of respect for Doug Peterson, but I don't quite see him as being as sure about it as as belichick was with michelle because belichick is notoriously short fused about fumbles so Mm -hmm. it's like if he's willing to spend a first round pick on michelle he must really think he's right whereas peterson i don't know if he cares as much about the answer to that question so uh besides he's only going to play him 20 snaps anyway what is what's the big deal uh to be serious though sanders is totally good and he's the most explosive philadelphia back by quite a bit but uh I just I just don't know if there's structurally structurally much room for him right away
2: and you know let, let's keep it in Philadelphia actually because J.J. Arcega Whiteside is one of our you know favorite re- receiver prospects fr- from this class and yeah. he obviously gets picked up by Philadelphia but again it's another situation where it's so crowded like I, I don't really see like barring some injuries which are certainly possible uh but between Aguilar or Alshon Jeffrey um but I just think that our Sega Whiteside is a nice kind of stowaway in dynasty for like, you know, 2020 and beyond, because for 2019, I just don't really see the target volume necessarily being there for him to be worthy of like, a you know, a roster spot in 12 team leagues.
1: Yeah. It's, it's pretty difficult to see how he makes an immediate impact. I think he's really good. So I don't want to rule it out besides like, he's a lot like Alshon in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think he's, I think he's about as technically refined as a rookie receiver can be i think i think jeffrey's more toolsy but n- not necessarily even now as skilled like Ortega white is just kind of like uh, my, he, he compared himself to michael thomas and i guess that kind of works because he's just so polished as a route runner mm-hmm. and from the technical aspects it's how you put up the really explosive downfield numbers that he did even though you're only running a four five eight or whatever he did because he just keeps getting people to you know twist their ankles when they try to run with him, so he's got a lot to work with. He can line up in a lot of looks. He can play slot or outside. You can probably even give him some of the the positioning, uh, the personnel the tasks that you do to like the tight ends. There's probably some Zach Ertz plays that JJ Arcega-Whiteside can run. So I think there are some subtle ways that he could get on the field. It's just it it usually. It will probably require something like, you know, one of Jeffrey or Zach Ertz gets hurt. But I mean, Ertz was a guy who's playing like 14 games a year up until two years ago. Jeffrey finds lots of ways to get hurt. So there's a way, and if he's on the field, I want to buy in because I I just don't I just do not see our white Whiteside failing. But it is worth mentioning uh, Nelson Aguilar is here for another year. I think they're definitely going to let him walk in free agency. But they do have a short-term incentive to get the ball because if he puts up numbers this year, that's a bigger comp pick they get when he walks. Right. And he's, he's a young receiver. He's only going to be like a 25-year-old free agent if he's coming off like an 800-plus-yard year as the kind of co-number-two receiver with Deshaun Jackson – he could get like some stupid contract that everybody points out like this isn't going to work you know <laughs> like the redskins would totally do that yeah i mean if adam humphreys if adam humphreys can get nine and a half million a year or whatever he did the nelson akeler could go over 10 with a a few you know well-timed big plays and if he has like a touchdown in the playoffs that everybody goes ooh at then that that could be a few more million right oh, there sure. so yeah they they actually have a reason to keep Aguilar involved unfortunately uh but i don't know maybe i i put our sega Whiteside in the same tier as but ahead of david montgomery in the dynasty uh ranking article i did i'm kind of rethinking it a little bit mm-hmm. but it's like Alshon, would it really surprise you if he's just kind of like out of the picture in two years? Deshaun could be out of the picture after this year uh agalor i think will be right so long term i love it it's just this year it's just, yeah
2: it's t- it takes so many ifs ands or buts to for me to really consider uh our sega white side like it's just going to take so much for Phil- and Philadelphia. So, uh, yeah population. i'm not he's not on my uh best ball radar or anything like that no um so let's get on to some receivers that we are particularly bullish on and this is our chance to do our victory dance um <laughs> because folks it happened we were on this For a long time. Uh, Dating back to your article debating the Ridley or Mecole Hardman uh, debate, uh, probably even before that, actually, we probably had discussed it enough to where it it warranted an, an article. But, you know, Hardman? Goes ahead and gets drafted on day two by the Chiefs. So
1: yeah, and uh, it was kind of funny because I know people are going to eventually come around on this, but the initial reaction to Hartman going to Kansas City was some of the most unhinged, uh, just bitter. My list was wrong. I mean, you're the GMs are wrong. Yeah, they were. I mean, the GMs make a lot of wrong choices, and it's not that I'm. It's not that we're saying we are smart because a team took him that high necessarily. It's like, we're still doubling down on this. Like we're saying he's going to be good also. So um, it, it's one thing to to say, I, I can at least respect someone's position of saying like, well, they reached for him anyway, but the people that are saying that probably can't look at it rationally enough to concede, but he is going to probably produce because, This Tyree Kill thing, who knows where it's going, like his fixer uh, sent a letter to to the NFL today. And uh, incidentally, uh, it ended up in the hands of like a bunch of newspapers, too. And they have this supposed like text message between him and the accuser where the in all perfect punctuation, I might add, uh, no slang, capital letters, periods, commas, apostrophes, where she's apparently saying like, I'm sorry. You're right. You didn't do that. I was just hurt and trying to make it up to hurt you or something and like it, it's like an entire kills supposed message before that reads like lawyer writing. It reads like uh it said so like a stark <laughs> contrast to the things that came out on whereas <laughs> comma I was like <laughs> yeah. oh that sounds like Tyreek Using uh, yeah so it's kind of shady and I mean it does nothing to explain away a voice recording of well, you can find that transcript but I don't think Tyreek Hills playing I don't think he's playing for the Chiefs I don't think he's playing for anybody but I'm pretty sure he's not going to play for the Chiefs and if he isn't then we're down to Sammy Watkins, and I love Sammy, but that guy. I don't know if that foot can do, you know, anything in particular. He seemed okay once he came back for the playoffs last year, but not like a hundred percent. And having that foot be an issue in any form after like what three years ago it was something like that. Mm-hmm. That's bad. That that's a chronic condition, or so it seems like. And if we're down to just Travis Kelsey and maybe like ten to twelve games of Sammy Watkins you're now in the position where you have to do one of a few things you have to either predict that pat mahomes will have a bad year and i've seen everybody knew he was going to regress even if he had tyree hill even if travis kelsey didn't have an ankle surgery everyone knew he was going to regress a little bit because so did tom brady and peyton manning Five thousand yards 50 touchdown seasons don't happen twice in a row that's not a bold statement oh, i thought that was galaxy brain stuff <laughs> yeah that. yeah uh so it's like that's not cutting it you got to go further and i haven't seen anyone take it this far you need to either say pat mahomes is going to have like i don't know eight to twelve quarterback outcome rather than uh you know falling from one to uh five or whatever the the initial ostensible bold prediction was mm-hmm. you need to either take that stand or you need to say sammy Watkins is going to play 16 games or you need to say demarcus robinson is going to put up twelve thousand or twelve hundred yards Or you need to say Mikkel Hardman is going to put up those numbers. Not 1,200 necessarily, but um, what I, to be serious, see happening is Mahomes falls from 5,050 down to, I don't know, 4,335, 32, something like that. And even if he does that, that's still top five-ish quarterback numbers. Now, at that point, are you going to give that production to are you, again are you going to say 16 games for walk or are you going to give it to robinson or hardman and no one wants to say that robinson's going to do that quite like no one wants to quite say either that mahomes is just going to completely fall off the face of the earth they're really reluctant to point out what their their intuition is telling them deep down they have the voice in the back of their head saying like hardman's gonna catch the ball uh, you know 55 60 times he's gonna have 900 yards this year and they they feel it they hear it and they're like no DeMarcus Robinson's better and like and they're just kind of ignoring what they feel the walls closing in but they they're like ah oh, my rankings i love them so much my pre-draft rankings and like they can't quite come to terms with it so i think what they're going to do is they're going to wait for like the rest of the fantasy industry at large to kind of uh so it's so it's not so much like a repenting scenario as much as like just kind of sneaking back into the crowd kind of thing where they're just where it, when it becomes common knowledge that like of course micole hardman's better than demarcus robinson and uh because we are otherwise not predicting a you know horrific downfall from homes it's just going to be like hardman does something you know and uh he'll probably do just fine at it he might even be really good people are ruling at people are just straight up ignoring the upside scenario with me hardman which is crazy like if anything the parallels to tyreek hill uh, character aside should have you very very much interested because tyreek hill i i was not on him as a prospect because his, his production was just incredibly bad in college including at western alabama or whatever he was at huh. but Part of that, in hindsight, probably had to do with because of how much time he was getting split between running back and when he just focused on receiver with the Chiefs, he rapidly improved because he had the physical tools with which to project skill set growth and hardman was literally in a second year of receiver last year he only played quarterback in high school in defensive back he played corners tr- uh, freshman year at georgia so that's two years this guy who he's not tyreek hill fast because no one is but he might be kind of like the second fastest or pretty close in contention in the conversation and he's very young he could get a little bit faster yet a little like, bit bigger I think, yet i think calvin ridley was older than Nicole is right now after his
2: freshman season at Alabama
1: yeah I mean he's he's just turning 21 that off <laughs> yeah and, and uh yeah it's like when you're th- as young as Hardman is when you're as inexperienced as he is when you have the work ethic that he does and you turn anyone to turn down the tape of him and watch him a little bit you see he's got just like pissed off attitude like he, he goes 110 percent guy like that is not going to just uh turn into a blob when he gets out there he's not going to just become some sort of passive disinterested player like no he's going to be a 433 guy who's still learning and was already pretty good and he's going to be you know going for the kill always so uh either way it's like you're down to it you gotta make that call are you saying mahomes does bad this year or are you going to swallow your pride and just say like all right i guess i don't need to take my pre-draft rankings that seriously it's not that big of a deal um but yeah a lot of people were just straight up offended that he went ahead of hakeem butler and whatever else uh yeah hakeem butler chief among them it felt like but <laughs> yeah but uh in any case i, th- I think that uh, i think we call, ah, what is, you got him in like the seventh of that uh right. seventh or eighth okay so that
2: was just uh, there's like a little bit of intentionally splashing the pot a little bit oh yeah because i knew i was going to like you know talk with or talk on the xm show about it like five minutes after that pick so i was like okay i want to
1: do something i was gonna take him if you hadn't took him and uh i actually am going to try to get that in best ball drafts Uh, it makes sense to stack two receivers in an offense because as long as you're paying a price that is low enough for what the aggregate offensive production is you can kind of just corner a share of that team's passing game and and with a high probability of claiming that share in any given week. So yeah, I'm going to try to get uh Sammy stacked with Mikal Hardman on plenty of teams because I do have faith in Mahomes and I won't consider for a second the possibility that he was the product of some system. It's like he's really really good and if he's not 5050 touchdown good, then he'll just have to settle for yeah, like 42 135 touchdowns
2: the the, you know possibility that Mahomes himself gets better like you know he obviously had you know top end weapons this past year and you know again we we don't know exactly what form of kelsey will be getting back and obviously no tyree kill in all likelihood this year but i mean that was that was Mahomes' first year as a starter like he could get better i mean the numbers might not immediately like jump
1: back to to last year's totals but yeah he might not throw a touchdown literally one out of every 10 passes but still, uh man, 12 like, or 13 isn't better. that bad either and yeah that's I, like regression will come for everybody eventually but it's like as much as i think he'll regress this year definitely give me the over on whatever for 2020 like it's he's he's definitely the truth and there there are ways to amplify his strengths by giving him speed like tyree Hill, sammy Watkins, travis kelsey um but if you take one of those pieces away it's not like he's gonna turn into uh i don't know what he's he's just awesome it's like like
2: people will like outright outright deny that that would happen but then they also treat this chief's offense with that condition in mind
1: yeah it's 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 definitely a habit both ways kind of pessimism that people are like no one wants to to be the person who comes out and says like pat mahomes uh is a bust any earlier than like the seventh round in fantasy this year but if you want to if you want to say that he's an acceptable fifth round pick then you need to explain why these receivers are priced in your your rankings more like a guy who's a 10th round quarterback like how do you rationalize that where are you predicting a trade or something like what's going on here there you go um but yeah it's it's for me it's i feel like i've got in, in you and me both i think we got you know totally adding up in the premises it's like if pat mahomes is 80% of what he was last year and if sammy Watkins's foot is as problematic as we have reason to believe it is I don't see how you can rank Hardman lower than, I don't know, three or four in your dynasty rookie rankings. It's like I can see the case for Kyler Murray, Josh Jacobs ahead of him. Those are the only ones that I have ahead of him personally. There we go. I, I think that's a good note uh, for, for uh, Hardman to end on. I, I do
2: think that he should be valued uh, that high for this year and beyond. Um, let's get into Let's get into DK Metcalf and then let's talk about the two or the three kind of exciting, potentially, uh, Arizona rookies uh, before we wrap things up here. So, uh, And we can get to one or two other guys here uh, before we got to sign off. But Metcalf, what did you
1: make of his precipitous fall? What did you make of the Seahawks scooping him? I think it's a really good pick for Seattle, especially if Doug Baldwin's on the way out then. As much as it wasn't uh, an ideal landing spot, you'd prefer to see him in the air raid or something as much as that's the case if baldwin's out then i think tyler lockett becomes the primary slot receiver in that offense and metcalf plays more the role lockett got plenty of slot snaps excuse me last year even but i'm thinking of metcalf more in the tyler lockett of two years ago role where it was kind of just you know he's running fly routes and deep posts things like that because metcalf plus russell wilson i think could be pretty deadly oh, like yeah. uh, the play off the play action to metcalf I, I, really don't know what you can do to protect yourself in that case other than like, uh, you know, give up constant eight to 12 yard runs to Carson and Penny instead. And that might be your best option. But, uh, I think that Metcalf is totally legit in terms of skill. I, I think either the NFL overthought it with him or he might've fallen because of just like, they couldn't imagine him playing as many personnel groupings as some of the, some of these other guys. Like, the fourth round pick gary jennings out of west virginia i can imagine him playing more snaps as a rookie than metcalf just because he can play slot or outside whereas while metcalf will play some slot looks you just have to there's no way to not do that occasionally in the nfl nowadays i don't think they'll really be psyched to have him there whereas with jennings it's like he can play either spot fits like a glove doesn't matter jennings was so good at at that at west virginia yeah definitely so i like both of those guys actually because i think um well, who knows what happened like Pete carroll could get fired this year or next he could just quit because he doesn't like what the team looks like he, he could pull those kind of sneaky old too he, he could yeah well, he did take his shirt off in
2: that video so
1: yeah he, he is he's old he's been he's been eating like uh A pound of gorilla brain (laughs) not sorry you're thinking of the brains of a gorilla i'm thinking of a uh, uh, unregulated smart man potion that he takes uh gets it's the kind of thing that helps amounts of fish oil yeah he can't he can't calculate uh jet fuel fire uh numbers the right way without his gorilla brain and uh i don't know it's like he could just get a little wacky he could He could decide to go to Margaritaville at a moment's notice like he kind of did with USC. I don't know. Um, If that team does have some sort of different leadership in two years and they just start going more like, uh, you know, air raid or something, then Russell Wilson could put up insane numbers and Metcalf could just go along for the ride in that case. But I think Metcalf will be good on his own part. I also have to wonder if that foot injury from two years ago played a part in him falling because it is legitimate to wonder that it It was a broken foot that ended his season, you know, yeah, like yeah, the second week of the season, yeah. and uh, I don't know if that's a problem for Sammy Watkins, It could be a problem for Metcalf, I mean, he's Put a lot more weight on that foot, he's putting a lot of torque on that foot, yeah, and so i I get it if that was a concern. Uh, but if he's running outside receiver snaps in a Russell, Russell Wilson offense, I will definitely bet on Metcalf winning. Yes. Uh, yeah. So that, that's sort, that sort of, that's sort of the thing. I think one of my favorite sort of,
2: sort of distilled down DK Metcalf things is like, he's a one trick pony a little bit, but it's one hell of a trick.
1: Right. And I, th- I think you can do a couple, I think if you have like a, a, a more spread out offense, he can do kind of more like those drag route things. I wouldn't want him being one of three routes running underneath routes. Otherwise it's like, yeah, you're back to just the post and the fly route. You're not really running out routes with them. You're not asking him to do sideline uh, toe tapping things, heading outward anyway. Like you're going to, you're going to chuck the ball up in the air and hope he jumps up and reels it in toward the sideline, but you're going to have him going forward as much as you can.
2: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, All right, so let's move on to the Arizona guys. Um, So Kyler Murray, like you mentioned, a top three uh, dynasty slash uh, redraft asset uh, as far as this rookie class is concerned. What are your expectations of him uh, within this? You know, Cliff Kingsbury offense that I don't really know which way it's going to go. I'm a little bit lower on this
1: kingsbury thing working out but i'm high on kyler murray at the same time so i'm kind of conflicted well i am pretty optimistic i think i'm way more aggressive on kyler murray's 2019 ranking than most people if i'm doing it just on a projection basis i think he's going to keep coming out as like the number six to number eight quarterback for me and i know that's high but a lot of the quarterbacks that go ahead of him in the standard adp are guys like drew Brees, and do we really expect him to be more inconsistent than drew breezes at this point where he could just be a dud because he's on the road or he could be a dud because sean payton has an offense now where he's totally content to throw the ball 20 times if he's got a lead and we're start. i mean we we started to see little flashes of of age catching up with drew Brees in oh, the playoffs i thought totally totally and the thing with murray is of course it's not going to be like a proper Texas Tech Mike Leach air raid. The NFL literally doesn't let you run plays that fast. Like the center guy will hold onto the ball and not give it to you uh fast enough to do that. And there's also personnel uh like illegal formation things that would apply to things that you do with the college air raid. So he can't do all of those things, but I we have to consider them the favorite to run at the the fastest tempo. Like we just there's not even I don't think it's even close. Um in that case if kyler murray is this guy who is basically like a faster russell wilson in an offense that even if they're a terrible team like or even maybe it's all the better if they are a terrible yeah, team from behind yeah it's like if he's getting big usage if he's getting uh let's say average or higher pass attempt volume plus the likely rushing attempt volume that he would get in that scenario i mean we could be talking 800 yards rushing along with like 3500 plus yards passing basic i don't know something more like a way better version of what Trubisky did last year something like that and i think there's a chance he's just good right away too and if he and if he is like that's the one thing i don't think people are asking enough is like what if he's actually good Mm -hmm. he could be the top quarterback as a rookie in fantasy uh in real life of course not or almost certainly not anyway but if he runs for like a thousand yards at, you know, seven and a half yards a carry. And if he, if he's throwing, I don't know, 36 passes a game, that's just volume. That's hard to compete with. If you're other quarterbacks, cause you can't run like he can. And, uh, you're probably not getting as many plays, uh, you know, snapped per time of possession unit as they are. So it could go rough. Like I don't expect him to be consistent or anything, but it's just, even if he has his bad days he could run like if he has a if he has a bad dead end game as a passer he could just have a bunch of desperation scrambles that add up to 120 yards and when they're playing prevent defense in the fourth quarter or something Mm -hmm. like that so i'm gonna end up with a lot of shares i think and maybe too many maybe i'm gonna have to maybe cut myself off at some point (laughs) uh just because of like injury risk it's like i don't want to i don't want to have like you know literally 40 teams with kyler murray because that it's that's 40 teams that suck if he has one bit of bad luck um but yeah i have uh really high hopes and i I think the floor and ceiling both are higher than people have grappled with to this point i
2: think so too so uh he's going to be really interesting i think you you brought up some really compelling points as to how this offense is going to look and you're talking about his passing who are the arizona receivers that you're targeting and it doesn't even need to be a a question of isabella or um hakeem butler like is there a situation where you like christian
1: kirk the most out of this group or yeah uh, how does it play out for you in your mind in dynasty it's definitely christian kirk i can see in redraft the argument for keeping larry fitzgerald first because there's going to be so many wide receiver snaps to, to dole out in this offense we don't even know for sure what kirk's status is from his own broken foot mm-hmm. um i'm hoping for the best because i am a christian kirk fan I, I really think he's good and i would love to see him at full strength in this offense if he is it's not it's probably not that close to me uh the case where fitzgerald is has the strongest case for uh, 2019 is in ppr because he he could have like an ugly inefficient year where he still catches tons of passes just because there's tons of targets that are you know and and that offensive line isn't going to be great he's more underneath than anything else he could finish the year with like i don't know 160 targets for barely over a thousand yards uh i don't think it's going to be that that's definitely like the top that that target count specifically is the very high extreme end of outcome possibilities but he also could do something respectable and you know give you like eighty-five catches for nine hundred yards and four or five touchdowns, and you might be able to get him in I don't know, seventh, eighth, something like that in PPR leagues. So that could work. If if Kirk is healthy, I'll take him in redraft to over Fitzgerald. Uh there's gonna be other guys that do things and they could run kind of like a three and a half receiver base in this offense. Like if the three receiver, one tight end, the uh the 11 personnel is that what everybody calls it Uh, yeah the 11 personnel that we like to say so much now love it uh we love to say it and it's really it's really i'm here for it (laughs) yes (laughs) yes yes and um there could so there could be like i don't know man like uh, there could be three receivers accounting for over a thousand snaps each in this offense and then like a couple more splitting 1200 more snaps there could be a lot a lot of mileage for all of fitzgerald kirk uh isabella even trent Sherfield. i think he's being overlooked he's i think he's a pretty convincing prospect even though he went undrafted and hasn't been noticed to this point so there's a bunch of really good candidates and there's a lot of spots so I think it'll be a very inconsistent, frustrating offense from receiver to receiver, but I think someone will pretty much always be busy. It it might come down to more like the personnel of the defense, the kind of scheme, the kind of zones they specifically use the most, because if you're trying to take the top off the defense that you're looking to Isabella and butler and if you're looking for underneath stuff you might be thinking andy isabella but that might be more against like underneath zone where he's not getting jammed and he can kind of look for that soft spot and then make the yards after the catch work because uh, if he's got to shake a guy in a jam you'd probably just go with like Sherfield, Fitz, kirk any of those guys really Keyshawn johnson i think is worth mentioning in dynasty leagues because they could keep eight receivers or something like that on their final roster i mean if, they, if they're gonna have this cliff kingsbury offense it makes all the sense in the world to find room for that yeah and he is very like i know ever there's already the distinction between like flanker and whatever outside receiver and slot receiver the xyz terminology but kingsbury could have more like subtypes where it's uh because they have like starting inside receiver starting outside receiver at texas tech and there's that i can imagine Keyshawn johnson being the most polished non-fits non-kirk for the inside receiver snaps so he's kind of like uh gary jennings could have a sneaky high immediate workload because of his uh particular uh personnel grouping traits i think there could be something similar like that with Keyshawn johnson where he, he makes the team surprisingly and surprisingly plays like 600 snaps just because uh i don't know it's outside it's like butler isabella Sherfield, and uh kirk but there's there's a uh, plenty of mixing and matching there's gonna be trips formations there's gonna be uh, all kinds of nonsense going on and uh you know those inside snaps are going to be up for grabs and Isabella might not be ready Butler not might not translate for it uh if if Fitz isn't available for or Fitz or Kirk aren't available for injury or just uh workload reasons then I think Keyshawn Johnson could get some run I'm not going to pick him in redraft but I'll keep an eye on him, though over the course of the year. Yeah, I do. I do think that Keyshawn Johnson flew under the radar. I was happy to
2: see him uh, get drafted, um, and I, I think that he does bring that that sort of polished element. Uh, whereas Isabella and Butler of there's the a lot other of projection rookies. with those two. Exactly. So uh, Johnson, pretty interesting guy. Doesn't spell his name the same way that uh, of the Keyshawn Johnson that you're used to. So re- please remember to keep that in mind. But that's going to wrap things up. For today's show, we'll be back next week because there's so many rookies to talk about. and I mean, we still got to get to AJ Brown, some of the other running backs. Uh, we got to figure out what Baltimore's doing uh, with their guys. Um, but for day, for today's show, from Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening to the Road to Wire NFL Podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day.